You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks as always for joining us this week. A lot more important information about the January 6th killing of Ashley Babbitt out this week. I'll talk to you about that. Plus, wild abuses of power by the Justice Department and the FBI targeting targeting not only our friend James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, but also Steve Bannon. So I'll talk to you about that. First up, we have new documents, uh, and, and they're better than documents. They're actual audio-visual recordings of the police investigation of the death of Ashley Babbitt. The, included in the materials is a cell phone video uh, that I think is new of the Ashley Babbitt shooting. We have audios of um, the witness interviews, including that of Lieutenant Byrd, who refused to talk to investigators, as best we can tell. And plus, we have photos of Mr. Byrd, of Lieutenant Byrd, who was the shooter of Ashley Babbitt. Uh, they had a, there's a headshot photo, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. So how did we get here? Well, Judicial Watch, you know, despite everyone supposedly being interested in January 6th, Judicial Watch is actually conducting an independent, thorough investigation of what went on. How did it happen? And what about the people who died? We sued, for instance, for the autopsy results of Officer, Officer Sicknick, who everyone, um, the big media and uh, the left lied about the circumstances of his death. And it looks like the uh, medical examiner here in D.C. sat on the truth about his death, which is it wasn't a homicide. And it was that material was only released after we sued. And we also sued about records about the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt. Here we have a police officer involved shooting of an unarmed woman, 14-year veteran, uh, who was no immediate threat to anyone, and silence, crickets. The Justice Department refused to do anything. The Capitol Police Department, who was run by uh, the politicians on the Hill, namely Nancy Pelosi, refused to do anything uh, and gave him a free pass. And in fact, his name was kept secret from the American people for months until he voluntarily came forward uh, to talk about this and try to defend uh, his decision uh, to shoot and kill Ashley Babbitt. And uh, so Judicial Watch had a lawsuit against the D.C. Police Department and the Office of Medical Examiner uh, for records. And you may recall a few weeks ago, we received records from the police investigation after months of litigation from the D.C. police. And they include witness interviews that make it pretty clear, because uh, the officers were right near Lieutenant Byrd, that Ashley Babbitt was not armed. No one saw any arm, uh, that her, any arms in her hands. So there was no mistake, oh, I thought she had a weapon. Oh, no, she didn't have a weapon. Now, they did find a knife in her pocket after, after she died, uh, but that didn't have any impact on Lieutenant Byrd's decision to shoot her. She was coming through that window. You, you, you've all seen the video that's generally been out there, I'm sure and presented no imminent threat, and Bert wasn't there alone. In fact, there are police officers on the other side of the window who just could have pulled her away. Yet he shot and killed her. And as the record showed, there was no good reason. And to further confirm that, how reckless and dangerous was the decision by Lieutenant Bird to shoot and kill Ashley Babbitt, you have to remember, as I said, there were not only other citizens on the other side of the uh, the, the, the glass doors, but also uh, 
police officers, fellow police officers. And the new cell phone video that we have, it's heavily pixelated because the DC police was, they told us we're trying to protect the identity of the police or uh, individuals um, who didn't volunteer to have their identities released by the government. Uh, so they, it's heavily pixelated, you'll see. And it shows, um, so imagine this is the Ashley Babbitt coming through and Bird's back here shoots her, right? And down here are a bunch of stairs and the stairs that the police are coming up. There's a squad, heavily armed police officers, it looks like, coming up. And they hear the shot and they all stop. And it's pretty clear that if the bullet had gone wrong, they could have hit, Lieutenant Bird could have hit a police officer. So right here for you now is the new cell phone video showing those police officers who uh, were placed at harm's way as a result of Lieutenant Byrd's reckless decision uh, to shoot Ashley Babbitt. So here's the video. Uh, watch it through it through its entirety and you'll and you'll see why it's important. So there you have it. You see in that video why Lieutenant Byrd's decision to shoot Ashley Babbitt uh, was so reckless and dangerous because not only were there civilians there, uh, but there were other law enforcement personnel who were practically speaking right in the line of fire. Now, my view is Lieutenant Byrd's shooting was treated quite differently than other police officer involved shootings. And of course, I don't need to tell you that. You already know that. Uh, and uh, if, if it weren't a Trump supporter, uh, if it weren't January 6th, if this weren't the Capitol Hill police, which is the police agency right now run by Nancy Pelosi and her, col her Democratic colleagues on the Hill, I'm convinced uh, Lieutenant Byrd in the least would have faced a more serious uh, criminal investigation. And uh, also, at, in the, again, in the least, an administrative sanction for recklessly shooting this unarmed individual. It was a bad shooting. And uh, this, that video we have, which it took us forever and a day to get, further demonstrated. Also, we received, and it, was, it looked like it was a criminal investigation. One of the curious things, and I say this not knowing how it was resolved because the Justice Department 
which um, which we're also suing for records about their decision uh, related to the uh, prosecution of Lieutenant Byrd or non-prosecution in his case, uh, hasn't given us the documents. But it's unclear from the documents we received whether there was a criminal prosecution recommended and rejected. So we don't know for sure whether someone wanted to prosecute him or not within the police department uh, or within the Justice Department or how that worked. Uh, but the pictures we have demonstrate that it looks, you know, it looked to me that he was being seriously investigated, at least in part. Uh, here, there's a picture of him. Uh, you can see, uh, you know, they, they got a, head, a straight on headshot of Lieutenant Byrd. It's not quite a mugshot, but it's pretty darn close. And then they have, which I thought was very, even more interesting, uh, pictures of his hands. So uh, I defer to the forensic experts among you uh, to tell us why in your comments, why that's important. And then of course, there are pictures of the gun. Many pictures of the gun were produced to us as well. And you'll see those pictures uh, they're running through now. Uh, so, you know, this is stuff exclusively obtained by Judicial Watch. So you have all of Congress investigating January 6th. We have that, that star chamber proceeding, that, that uh, abusive investigation of Nancy Pelosi. And they're talking about how terrible January 6th was. Why is the Judicial Watch is releasing this information and not Congress? Or why isn't it being voluntarily disgorged in the ordinary course as would ordinarily happen if it were another police officer involved in uh, uh, shooting. It's politics, plain and simple. And some of the other photos we have include uh, photos of the crime scene generally, and uh, they're gonna run a few photos as I'm talking here. You can kind of see the doorway uh, where Babbitt uh, went through. Well, she didn't get through because they shot her, remember. Behind, you had that crowd behind that door. And I'm sure it was scary for everyone involved. If you're on the wrong side of that door, you see a crowd and you don't know what's going to happen. But we pay these police officers to keep their heads about them and not panic and not shoot. And that's the most charitable way of putting it. Um, you know, prosecutors might put it a different way. And so uh, uh, you see from the photos uh, how you know, the kind of the crazy situation there, at least with respect to that specific door area. And so we also have, uh, I don't know if they'll be up in time for this video, but we have a, a few dozen of the audio witness statements or the witness statements, audio recordings of the witness statements saying they didn't see any, uh, that Babbitt was unarmed and other information that show um, and, we, and you can listen to it all. You can look at the, you know, because we have the written materials as well from our last release of materials. And now we've got the audio witness statements, which are very interesting to hear because they provide, this material provides dramatic firsthand information about uh, uh, the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt. And included in these audio witness statements is the audio statement of Lieutenant Byrd, who, as best we can tell, refused to cooperate, which is his right. Uh, but here is the, uh, the two minute or so audio interview of Lieutenant Byrd. Uh, you'll, the voices sound weird because, and they'll, they sound weird in all of the witness statements, audio at least. 
is because the government somehow wanted to disguise the voices of people, even though in the case of Lieutenant Byrd, uh, he, he's identified. Uh, so here is the audio um, interview. Here's the audio of the interview of Lieutenant Byrd. Today is January 6th, 2020. It is approximately uh, 1938 hours. I am in Charles Division. We are located at 119 D Street, U.S. Capitol Police Headquarters. Present is the target of the criminal investigation for the Oscar Ball shooting. Sir, would you please introduce yourself? Lieutenant Michael Byrd, United States Capitol Police, House Chamber Section, Capitol Division, pin number. Thank you very much for that, sir. And if you please introduce, also present, if you please introduce yourself. Agent MPD IAD. And also present. Uh, Special Agent United States Capitol Police Criminal Investigation Section. Thank you very much. Now, um, before we get into the uh, interview itself, I want to advise you of what's called the, the Garrity warnings. Uh, what Garrity says is that uh, you are not required to give a statement to us today, that if you choose to do so or not choose to do so, will have no bearing in your employment, that any statement you give is voluntary, but also please be aware that any statement that you give will be shared with the United States Attorney's Office. Any, any statement you give will be shared with the United States Attorney's Office. Okay. okay. Do, do you understand the Garrity warning? I do. Okay. Uh, are you willing to give us a statement today? I would prefer to have a lawyer present. Okay. Under those, uh, under the, uh, in the information that you just provided. That, that is perfectly understandable. And, uh, I will not ask you to provide a statement today. I will ask you, though, that when you do secure counsel, uh, you have my business card, my contact information on them. If you'd have them reach out to me to, uh, Arrange for you to provide a statement when appropriate? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, then. Well, then, uh, with that said, we're going to end the reporting at this time, unless there's anything else anyone like that. Okay. Then I'm going to end the reporting at this time. It is approximately uh, 1941 hours. So you see, Lieutenant Byrd didn't want to talk. He wanted to have his lawyer, and as best we can tell, no one ever interviewed him, at least in the police department of the Metropolitan Police Department, about uh, his decision to shoot Ashley Babbitt. Of course, he talked to the media about it, but he didn't talk to law enforcement. Isn't that interesting? Uh, so this is, uh, it shows you how important Judicial Watch's work is, that we're able to get this information uh, and in the face of a Congress that's focused on trying to destroy its political enemies using the pretext of January 6th. And of course, this is not our only lawsuit. As I said, if we sued the Justice Department for its information on the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt, the only person killed uh, in a, via homicide that day. And uh, we've sued the uh, Congress for the videos. They're telling the court uh, in our case against them for the videos, 14,000 hours of videos from that day. Not one second of the January 6th videos that Congress has can be released to Judicial Watch under the open records law. In fact, they're saying they're not even public records. And if they were, they're not important enough to release. The public interest doesn't outweigh their interest in confidentiality. Well, which is it? The worst day in American history that the public has an interest in figuring out how it happened? Or some just regular congressional day that doesn't require them to start releasing videos of what went on? You know where we stand on it. 
But Pelosi is the enemy, as I said before, of transparency on this. We have uh, also litigation about the government's abuse of power in terms of targeting innocent Americans, trying to get the financial transaction records of everyone here in D.C. We have that lawsuit against the FBI. We got the military using January 6th as a pretext to start monitoring the social media posts, it looks like, in an inappropriate way of our enlisted officials, our, our enlisted men and women, and who knows who else. Postal Service doing the same thing, monitoring social media posts. Who knew we have a lawsuit on that? We have a lawsuit on Nancy Pelosi's conversation with General Milley about uh, in their effort to undermine President Trump in the days shortly before the inauguration, trying to undermine the chain of command. Lawsuit after lawsuit. This is the real heavy lifting that's necessary on January 6th. And what's going on now, uh, and I'll, I'll move on to our next topic, is that January 6th is being used as, an abu- as, a, as a vehicle to criminalize the speech of those who oppose uh, the Biden agenda, who question issues about the election, uh, and just generally are Trump supporters. That's what's going on now. The latest, uh, it's breaking today, just a few minutes before I came here to record this. Uh, Steve Bannon uh, has been indicted by the Garland Justice Department over his refusal to cooperate with the Pelosi Inquisition. Two-count indictment, refusal to show up for questioning and to produce documents. And this snap indictment comes even though that the executive privilege that Bannon is citing as reasons for him not to cooperate is being litigated civilly in the, here in the District of Columbia, the U.S. Court of Appeals. It's before now. So this is an outrageous abuse of power. Contempt of Congress uh, uh, proceedings are pretty darn rare. The idea that, uh, when, uh, when was Bannon um, referred to by Congress for contempt? Four or five weeks ago? This is a snap indictment. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've been doing this work at Judicial Watch for decades. It takes forever and a day to get this type of indictment going. And this is a political jihad against opponents of uh, the Pelosi Congress and those who have questioned how the elections were handled. And sure enough, the, this, this Pelosi committee, which again is a one-party committee, yeah, there are two Republicans on it, appointed by Nancy Pelosi. So it's controlled by one party. So there's no representative of the minority party appointed by the minority leadership, McCarthy and company, on the House. So it's inherently invalid, inherently suspect. And so they're using, they're not even investigating January 6th anymore. They're investigating criticism of the election processes and the fundamental First Amendment right to uh, petition one's government to make sure the rules are followed. There's now subpoena after subpoena issued at people whose only crime was to raise questions about the way the election was handled and how Congress ought to handle the election. So this committee 
is a joke. It's corrupted. It's not operating in good faith. And they issue this politicized contempt finding against Bannon. And the Garland Justice Department, like that, indicts Bannon. I've never seen anything like it. It's disturbing. It's frightening. And it comes on the heels of the FBI Justice Department raid on the home of Project Veritas founder, James O'Keefe, one of Judicial Watch's friends. They raided his home purportedly because they're investigating something about Joe Biden's daughter's diary, which has some weird stuff in it, reportedly. I had missed that it was even a news story back in the day. I guess it had come out uh, just shortly before the election, and I, I completely missed it. But evidently a diary is worthy of FBI investigations, Southern District of New York investigations, which is the um, successor to the Mueller operation, the abusive Mueller uh, operation that targeted Trump. Now, you may recall Garland a few months ago came out with new rules and regulations that the Justice Department would essentially uh, count about, you know, um, really cater to the media by creating new regulations to make it harder to subpoena media figures and journalists. Well, that's what James O'Keefe is. So I guess those rules don't apply. It's a wild abuse of power. And you have the FBI and material, you had A, the raid being leaked, and then confidential materials shortly after the raid being leaked. Were those materials obtained as a result of the raid and leaked to the New York Times? I don't know. But it sure looks bad. So these are terrible times we live in in terms of the rule of law. The Justice Department is completely politicized. You know, I'm not one of these people who say the Justice Department's independent. If it's independent, then it's unconstitutional. The Justice Department answers to the presidency. So I, I presume, and we should constitutionally speaking, that the Justice Department is doing the bidding of the White House. Because the Biden has an independent authority, as independent as, as constitutional authority. And if the Justice Department is committing misconduct, an obligation to step in. And at the same time, the Justice Department literally is protecting Joe Biden from a special counsel that should have been appointed because his son is at least the subject of investigation. And we know what his son did as implicated his father. So the Justice Department is topsy-turvy in terms of ethics. And they're targeting the political enemies of Joe Biden, Steve Bannon, and James O'Keefe. Who's next? I don't know. So Judicial Watch, of course, will do its investigations as to what went on there, like we did during the Mueller operation. But boy, oh boy, uh, some dark days for the rule of law here in Washington, D.C. So with that, I don't want to uh, uh, take too much of your time. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate. <laughs>